Welcome to Whores Talk Whore. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. High energy. Here we go. All right. <laughs> okay, you can't say that. And now be like, okay, now let's record. <laughs> what are you, a fucking aerobics instructor? Jesus Christ. I did not yep. see that coming. Ready? And hello. And welcome to Whores Talk Whore. No. <laughs> That's like the cheerleaders from a... Saturday Night Live. Yeah. yeah. All right. Ready? Here. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Hello and welcome to Horse Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. It's been a while since we've had any paranormal related episodes. So we decided to talk about some of the most haunted towns in the U.S. Uh, since it may still be a while before any of us are traveling again, at least in any sort of normal way. Uh, maybe after listening to this episode, you may be inspired to take a road trip to one of these spooky locations. Neither of us have ever been to any of these towns, but after doing the research for this episode, I think it would definitely be interesting and also a lot of fun if we just packed up the digital cameras and voice recorders and hit the road, uh, especially now since like spring is upon us in Chicago. It's actually been really nice out and like hearing birds singing again and I was out for a walk yesterday and actually saw rabbits and a coyote in my neighborhood. <laughs> um, so now I'm just like, yeah, let's, you know, get out of the house after being stuck inside all winter and hit the road. I think you might have been the witness to a pre-murder happening. If you saw a coyote and a bunny rabbit, that's not going to end well. <laughs> well, they were in two different locations, but the coyote oh. definitely was hungry. It was looking in people's yards, you know, I'm thinking it was uh, seeing if anyone left their small little dogs out or anything. So hopefully the coyote just found some like random McDonald's bag thrown out with like a half-eaten hamburger. <laughs> anyway, I, I would love to do a haunted road trip was my point in the beginning <laughs> of this whole tangent. So I think we should do that and record it. All right. Well, the first stop on our um, audio road trip <laughs> is uh, Alton, Illinois, which is located in southern Illinois along the Mississippi River and is about 18 miles north of St. Louis. Mark Twain once referred to Alton as a, quote, dismal little river town, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Alton, those are Twain's words, not mine. I have a feeling they might get that a lot. They're probably used to it possibly i've I've never been to alton but uh my mom and brother went there to visit and they came home with a bottle of wine for me because i guess there's wineries down there so hey at least they got that going for it yeah they might that might be where the tallest man in the world was from too really robert wadlow proceed ignore me (laughs) wow um but there was once a prosperous period in the River City's history, which was at one time growing faster than nearby St. Louis. Alton also has a sordid past that has led to Alton's haunted present. Through the years, many travelers have investigated and inquired about the unexplained happenings and psychic phenomena found throughout Alton. Could this be because of the history of death, disease, violence, and destruction from the Civil War and the Underground Railroad that took place there? Uh, Or has Alton simply been deemed one of the most haunted towns because of the ghosts and hauntings that occur regularly? I'm going to say yes and yes. 
A little from column A, a little from column B. (laughs) Exactly. One of the locations noted to be extremely haunted is the infamous McPike Mansion. Alton's most haunted house was built in 1869. The notorious mansion, which has been featured on several of those ghost shows I like, like Ghost Adventures and in the series Scariest Places on Earth, has had numerous paranormal investigators report authentic hauntings. The original owners of the mansion were Henry Guest McPike and his wife Eleanor. The McPike family owned 15 acres of land, and the house is perched on top Mount Lookout, which overlooks the entire town. Uh, Quick fun fact, Henry McPike was close friends with Abraham Lincoln and was by his side when he received the telegram informing him of his election to the presidency. And then they celebrated and got fucked up. Henry, (laughs) Henry, Henry. I'm going to be president, man. That's like so cool. I'm going to make you my vice best friend. I love you, man. Make it rain. <laughs> Where the strip is at? <laughs> a, a telegram is an old school text message. <laughs> That's all historical, by the way, that look it up. That all happened. Yeah. Yeah. It was quoted in a book. <laughs> I like vice best friend. Anyway. Vice best friend. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, He lived a good life, clearly, but uh, McPike passed away in 1910, but his family lived on at the McPike mansion until 1936. So the house changed hands several times since, serving as Brown's Business College and then a boarding house owned by Paul Leichinger. It was during this time that tenants began to experience strange phenomena that couldn't be explained. Throughout the late 30s and early 40s, boarders at the McPike Mansion claimed to hear the sounds of children playing and laughing, even when no children were present. The house became vacant around 1945 when Leitchinger passed away, and it was around this time that passersby began to report seeing faces looming in the windows. The house stood vacant until it was bought in 1994 by Sharon and George Ludke. They had no idea that it was haunted. They purchased the house in the hopes of restoring and converting it into a bed and breakfast and historical landmark. Um, and as it has, has happens when people restore old haunted places, the couple hadn't been at work long before Sharon had her first unexplainable experience. She was gardening in the front yard when she spied a man in old fashioned attire staring down at her from a window. The two locked eyes for a moment before he disappeared. After doing some research, Mrs. Ludke found a photo of Paul Leichinger wearing similar clothing. Creepy. Uh, The man in the window wouldn't be the only strange occurrence at McPike Mansion. Uh, Visitors would go on to spot strange mists and orbs, some even appearing in photos. They would feel the sensation of being touched, Smell phantom lilac perfume, thought to be the present presence of former servant Sarah Wells, and hear metal doors scraping across the floor on their own. The wine cellar seems to be the epicenter for the paranormal activity. Psychic mediums report feeling a, s- a surge of energy in the basement, even sensing the presence of Henry M- Guest McPike himself. Well, there's your answer. 
I mean, a bunch of drunk ass ghosts in this huge, gorgeous mansion. That sounds awesome. <laughs> when I die and I do my whole thing where I become a reality TV star as a ghost, because <laughs> um, it's going to happen. You've heard it here. Nobody <laughs> stole that idea. It's recorded. You all hear it. Um, but anyway, does this location have a wine cellar is absolutely going to be on my list of check marks to factor into where I decide to end up haunting. I think um, that's a must. And the f- reports of like faces and windows and, and, and pictures and stuff like that. Oh, my God. Probably some former boarder like fresh up from the wine cellar sees a tourist and is like, watch me photobomb this dude and then drunk and laughing loses his balance which is something I would totally do sober and smacks into a nearby metal door and that's what the scraping sound is there you go solved (laughs) all right well I also have another idea that I don't want anyone to steal someone needs to make a movie about drunk ghosts oh totally like a bunch of frat boys get murdered in their frat house and then haunt the fuck out of it so it'd be like animal house but they're all ghosts (laughs) 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 <laughs> all right let's let's get to work on these ideas i like it i love that idea sharon that's awesome <laughs> uh back in alton illinois some claim that the haunts again in big pike mansion <laughs> date back to the property before the mansion was even built uh with the detections of native american ghosts and a residue from a possible underground railroad stop Um, Other stories include servants of the building, a cook in the kitchen, and the strange death of a woman in the bathtub. More than 11 different spirits have been experienced at the house in recent years. So, yeah, I would say all of those things would factor into a good haunting, for sure. The First Unitarian Church of Alton is another hotbed for paranormal activity. It was built in 1830 and called St. Matthew's Catholic Church. 20 years later, the church burned to the ground. The Unitarian Society purchased the land and rebuilt a church for themselves. Another fire occurred in 1901, (laughs) burning the church down to its foundation yet again. The church that stands there now was rebuilt in 1905. Hopefully made of steel. Two churches burned to the ground in the same exact place? Jesus. I mean, yeah, they should probably take a hint. Burn down once, shame on you. Burn down twice, shame on me for building another shitty church. What the fuck was I thinking? Well put. Um, But Reverend Philip Mercer became a well-respected preacher at the Unitarian Church at the young age of 18. Oh, boy. Moving here from England, he had a way of speaking in his sermons that made people from all over come to hear him preach. One night in November of 1934, he found himself ill, shaking and unable to speak properly. He went to visit a friend, James McKinney. After a few days of not seeing Mercer, McKinney went to the church to check on him. Mercer was found hanging in the doorway of the minister's study. Since the reverend's death, there have been reports of voices and shadowy figures coming from the basement of the church. The piano seems to play itself sometimes, and doors open and close with no explanation. Okay, we're going to move on now to the Milton Schoolhouse, which was built in 1904 and served as the main school in Alton until it officially closed in 1986. After the school shut down, several different businesses took up residence in the building over the years. 
The haunting of this building revolves around a little girl named Mary. One day after school, Mary was finishing up decorating a seasonal bulletin board in her classroom while everyone else in the building had left for the day. As the sun started to go down, she realized that she ought to get home before her mother worried about where she was. As she was skipping... (laughs) of course skipping down the stairs toward the gymnasium doors, she heard a noise behind her. The next morning, Mary was found in the girl's locker room, battered with blood all over her and her clothes had been torn up. How do we know that she heard a sound though? All due respect to the Milton Schoolhouse people, but I think this might be a urban legend. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, huh? Plus her name's Mary. I'm just picturing like blonde, braids as she's like skipping down the sky. I don't know, just me? Uh, sorry. And how would they know she was skipping too? So good points. Thank you. It's very classic, like haunting story. Anyway, rest in peace, Mary. Um, when a design company took over the building many years later, they noticed that there were weird happenings in the building. They heard footsteps, things started missing and then reappearing from the office. And one man even believes he saw the figure of a young girl. Was it Mary? Maybe it is the ghost of a woman trying to get their attention or send a message. Or maybe she's just like, my name's Jenny, you assholes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Other haunted locations in Alton. Alton, I think, has the most haunted locations of any city we're going to be talking about. We need to go. I've never been there either. And it's in our state. We need to go. Let's do it. Road trip this summer. There is also the Alton City Cemetery, the Confederate Prison, also called the Old Alton Prison. During the Civil War, the facility imprisoned thousands of Confederate soldiers and over 1,400 died due to a smallpox outbreak. Hashtag, sorry, not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. I'm going to chalk that one up to karma. Mm -hmm. Um. Jacoby Art Center is also said to be haunted since the basement used to be, you know, a mortuary. Um, and the Mineral Springs Mall, which was once an elegant hotel and spa in its day. But its history is filled with tragedy, murders, suicides, natural and accidental deaths. Enjoy a deep tissue massage after the Shining Twins scare the shit out of you whenever you walk back to your room. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a very relaxing place for a spa. (laughs) Damn, that history. Right? All right, Mindy, what is the next stop on our road trip? We're going to Adams, Tennessee. Adams, Tennessee is near the Kentucky state line, and it is a very tiny town with a current population of under 700. 700 people total in the town. Um, The big spine-chilling draw to this tiny, tiny, tiny town of Adams is the story of the Bell Witch and the Bell Witch Cave. Um, In the early 1800s, John Bell moved his family from North Carolina to the Red River bottomland in Robertson County, Tennessee, Uh, settling in the Red River community, which later became present-day Adams, Tennessee. Bell purchased some land and a large house for his family. John and his wife, Lucy Bell, had three more children after moving to Tennessee and had a very happy and successful early life at the Red River settlement. 
One day in 1817, John Bell was inspecting his cornfield when he encountered a strange-looking animal sitting in the middle of a corn row. It had the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit. It's called a rabidoodle, and I believe that Paris Hilton and Khloe Kardashian both have one. And they're thousands of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and they're $10,000 exactly. for one of them. They only live for like a year. <laughs> <laughs> because of all of their congenital deformities. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, thank god it's not a real animal (laughs) this would not be funny at all it would just be cruel well so because of everything we just said understandably john bell was shocked by the appearance of this animal um and so uh he shot at it several times and the animal vanished This was the first documented manifestation of the entity. Bell thought nothing more of the incident, at least not until after dinner. That evening, the family began hearing, quote, beating sounds on the outside of the walls of their log home. The mysterious sounds continued with increased frequency and force each night. Bell and his sons often hurried outside to catch the culprit, but would always return empty-handed. In the weeks that followed, the Bell children began waking up frightened, complaining that rats were gnawing at their bedposts. Not long after that, the children began complaining of having their bed covers pulled from them and their pillows tossed on the floor by a seemingly invisible entity. The family was terrified, but kept the problem to themselves for over a year. When things became intolerable, John confided in a neighbor, James Johnson. He invited Mr. and Mrs. Johnson to spend the night. (laughs) Here, here, welcome to my home. (laughs) Please enjoy our huge rats. Try not to have them chew your legs off in the middle of the night. Um, After several nights of witnessing these strange things, Mr. Johnson suggested that more people should be told, and a committee was formed and an investigation started. Mm. It was not long before people were coming from miles around to hear and witness this unseen force that was terrorizing the Bell home. This unseen force had also gained enough strength that it now had a voice. When asked who and what it was, it gave different identities. It once stated that it was the witch of a neighbor woman named Kate Batts. This is what many people believed, and from then on, this unseen force was called Kate the Bell's Witch. It seemed that Kate had two main reasons for visiting the Bell home. The main one was to kill John Bell, but for what reason? No one knows why, because Kate never gave a reason. The second reason was to stop John's youngest daughter, Betsy, from marrying a certain neighbor boy named Joshua Gardner. (laughs) Over the next three years, Kate tormented members of the Bell family almost daily. John and his daughter, Betsy, were the ones who received the worst of the physical abuse. Betsy had her hair pulled, was pinched, scratched, stuck with pins, and even beaten. While John Bell began suffering from spells of swelling of the throat and often had the feeling of a stick being stuck sideways in his throat. Then came the twitching and jerking of the facial muscles. Kate would blast him with curses and hideous threats during these spells. As time went on, John Bell became weaker and weaker. Kate, quote unquote, ghost Kate, uh, was becoming pretty well known and drew large crowds of people. 
including former President Andrew Jackson, who is quoted as saying, quote, I had rather face the entire British army than to spend another night in the with the Bell Witch, end quote. After he and some of his troops had actually spent a night at the Bell's farm, uh, Kate finally accomplished her mission for coming to the Bell Farm on December 20th, 1820, John Bell died. Um, It was believed that he was poisoned by Kate and Kate took full credit for his death. Then in March of 1821, young Betsy broke off her engagement with Joshua. Do we know why? Because he was a scrub. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's funny that we're talking about Kate like a person and it's like just just we don't just this entity we don't no one knows who she is uh kate then bid everyone farewell and promised to return in seven years she did return in 1828 for a few short weeks she was doing her farewell tour around the area exactly uh during this visit she came to the home of john bell jr and had long talks with him about the past the present and the future she also made some predictions for the future who is she john edwards now (laughs) like what is her deal like she's a personality i'm telling you it can be accomplished as a ghost (laughs) kate also said i guess kate told us uh kate also said that there was a, a reason for john bell's death however she never said what the reason was because naturally after the second visit she said her next return would be in 107 years she's very specific too uh that would have been in 1935 but some believe that she never left the area at all due to the strange things that have occurred in and around the town of Adams and the Bell Witch Cave over these many, many years. So there's a movie called An American Haunting starring Donald Sutherland and Sissy Spacek that is based on this story. And spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, I also recommend that you don't see it because I remember hating this movie when I watched it. Um, But the movie ends with you finding out that the entire time John Bell was sexually abusing his daughter Betsy, and that's what led to Betsy somehow manifesting a poltergeist that led to all the hauntings. Um, But just so the audience knows, in the real story of the Bell Witch, there is absolutely no evidence of John molesting his daughter. And back in 1849, the Saturday Evening Post published an article accusing Betsy of having faked the whole thing. She threatened to sue. The Post prudently retracted its claim. And then 51 years later, she died without ever saying a public word about what really happened to her family. Um, But yeah, I did some digging and was not able to find anything that corroborates that that was true, that there was any sort of sexual abuse going on. But I'm pretty sure in last podcast, I actually have to re-listen to that as well. I thought they did mention that that was ultimately what it came down to. But I, I could be mistaken. Yeah, I I was thinking that too, um, leading up to recording this. But um, I have seen that movie that you're referring to. It like was just on one day and like I had it on in the background. Uh, I didn't think it was too great, but I also thought, too, and again, this is according to the movie, um, 
that, and I don't know really very many facts about this case other than what we were t- just talking about because this research for the show. Um, but I thought that like Kate was a person and that like she and John, like he ended up somehow buying some of her land and she didn't think it was authorized or something like that. But that could have also been like a Hollywood edition for the movie version. So anyway, I'm not a big fan of caves, so I don't think I'll ever go out check to check to see if Kate's hanging out like you know in the Bell Witch cave in person but I don't think it's an actual cave (laughs) yeah I was wondering a cave was never mentioned um but I think that would be cool if she was hanging out in a cave I'd go say hi let's hang out maybe she's like a guru what is the meaning of life Kate yeah right (laughs) and then you get her voice echoing from out out like out of the cave to give you your answer Ooh, like the um, witch in the movie um, in Tim Burton's uh, Sleepy Hollow. There's that witch that lives in like that cave thing that Johnny Depp goes to visit and she like chains herself to the wall so she doesn't kill him. Oh, yeah. I was thinking of the witch in a big fish. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a witch in that, too. Very similar witches. Um, Tim Burton loves witches. He does. <laughs> uh, and why not? Witches are kind of awesome. I like witches. Um, all right. Well... Let's go north a bit to East Bethany, New York. Uh, East Bethany is a hamlet located within Bethany, New York in Genesee County, which is located in the western part of the state between Rochester and Buffalo. It is also the location of the decaying Rolling Hills Asylum, which was featured in American Horror Story Asylum. Um, I'm also pretty sure that either the original Ghost Hunters show from back in the day went there. But by now, I think like pretty much all the big like Ghost Hunter shows have gone there. So I'm sure you can find an episode to see the mansion or (laughs) to see the asylum if anyone's curious. Just saying. I'm pretty sure you're right. I think this is like... A huge, huge uh, location for ghost hunters to visit. And there's good reason for that. Because (laughs) over 1,700 bodies are believed to be buried on the grounds in unmarked graves. And a plethora of supernatural activity has been reported at the asylum, including disembodied voices, door slamming, footsteps, and full-body apparitions. There are stories of shadow people, ghostly touches, and numerous EVP recordings as well. The compound was founded in 1827 as the Genesee County Poor Farm. Over the decades, it housed orphans, the destitute elderly, people who were physically handicapped, the morally corrupt, criminals, and people living with mental illness. It eventually became an asylum only for people living with mental illnesses, or at least those perceived to have mental illnesses at the time. Mm. Poor houses or poor farms were common in the United States in the 19th and early 20th centuries. In these institutions, able-bodied residents were required to work. The Genesee County Poor Farm was a self-sufficient working farm in woods spanning over 200 acres, providing food and fuel. I can't believe that that was his actual name county poor farm what a morale booster for residents jesus well you know people in the 1800s weren't exactly known for their (laughs) political correctness point taken (laughs) (laughs) it could have been named something much worse i'm sure speaking Um, of that it's funny you should say that um (laughs) residents were actually referred to as inmates 
uh, no matter why they were housed there. And many people who worked on the farm actually built and made wares to sell to help offset some of the living expenses. They raised Holsteins, pigs, draft horses, chickens, and ducks. Also growing vegetables and fruit crops, canning jams, jellies, and meats were all part of the chores. There was even a bakery and a wood shop where the, co- <laughs> the coffins were made for use as needed and for sale to local mortuaries. Uh, In 1964, Rolling Hills became the Genesee County Nursing Home, Uh, but the facility was only used in that capacity for 10 years until it was finally closed in 1974, mostly because of code issues. Uh, But the spirits of some of the souls that once lived on the property are thought to still inhabit Rolling Hills. One tragic story involved an inmate named Roy. Roy suffered from gigantism, a physical deformity that left him with protruding facial features, large hands and feet, and a height of over seven feet tall. Roy was the son of a prominent banker, and his physical appearance was an embarrassment to his family. Poor Mm. Roy. At age 12, Roy was dropped at the Genesee County home and was left there until his death at age 62. Roy liked opera music and was a kind man. Today, his unmistakable shadow is said to still be witnessed by visitors who have reported seeing him throughout the building. In the old men's dormitory, which is located on the second floor of the east wing, there is a corridor referred to as the shadow hallway. Supposedly, when you look down the hallway towards the infirmary section, you can see shadow people. They can look solid or be light gray, medium gray, dark gray, or pitch black. They could also be normal human-shaped or amorphous shapes. They come in and out of doorways and walk across the hall. Sometimes they'll poke an arm or a leg out or crawl on the floor. (laughs) Now I'm picturing like the old cartoons where... Bugs Bunny or some other character would uh, try to distract, you know, like Elmer Fudd or someone else by dressing as a woman. And you would just see like a high heeled leg come out of a doorway Uh or there'd be like a long gloved arm like coming out of the doorway. You know, it was all like very burlesque. So I'm just picturing a bunch of sexy ghosts. (laughs) And then like a very soft kind of like wah wah, like saxophone, like playing off in the distance. Wah, chicka wah wah. Hey, Mr. Ghost Hunter, you like what you see? (laughs) All right. Uh, Being a poor house, when the inmates died, there was little or no money for a proper burial. Over the decades, thousands were buried in a potter's field on the property. Most of the graves were unmarked and the dead still lie below. The cemetery has faded away and the stones crumpled. The grass grew and the forest replanted. Today, there is a monument in the nearby Genesee County Park that holds a few of the headstones from the facility. According to Sharon, not me, but the (laughs) current owner of the Rolling Hills Asylum property, which, I mean, I would... I wish, um, but she says that she has a theory about why this property is such a hot spot for paranormal activity. Quote, it's the only home that a lot of these people ever knew. They felt attached to this place. Some of them lost their homes. There were widows and orphans, and they developed their own family and friends here. So I think a lot of people felt comfortable here. They didn't want to leave. So we treat our spirits 
like they are really breathing, living people, end quote. I think that's so beautiful. Yeah, that's I love that. really sad, actually, too, to, to imagine. Oh, those poor ghosts. It's sad, but, but yeah. you know, I'm glad that they were able to uh, find a family amongst each other. And hopefully, the you know, they all loved each other and cared for each other and were, were able to make the best lives possible for themselves that they could make during those times. So... And now they have living people that actually respect them, and that 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 part's really lovely too. I actually got yes. a little choked up. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm, I'm glad that the current owner is very yeah. respectful of the spirits that live there, yeah. and and it treat and treats the place as it's their house, and she's just you know a guest in their home. Yeah, exactly. So before we head west, I think we have to make one more stop to the very north a town any Stephen King fan will know. <laughs> Bangor, Maine is where Stephen King called home for over 37 years. It's in the southern part of Maine and has been the inspiration for King's fictional town of Derry. Uh, and it was reported in October of 2019 that his former mansion will be officially made into a museum honoring the author and his work. I want to go to there. Uh, it will also be used as a writer's retreat so aspiring horror novelists can soak in all the spooky vibes of the mansion. Not sure if that is still going to happen because the pandemic shut everything down for most of 2020, but we'll see. Our first stop in Bangor, Maine is Mount Hope Cemetery. King used to hang out there in college and is said to have come up with some of his scariest story ideas there. He also reportedly borrowed the names of some of his best-known characters like Carrie and Georgie from headstones at the cemetery. Scenes from Pet Cemetery were shot or even shot there on location. That's why they had all those problems during shooting. They shot in an actual cemetery with the hell. Uh, was it the actual movie or was it, I thought it was the music video? that they had like some weird shit happening. Oh, maybe you're right. But God, I haven't thought about that in forever. So, I mean, I could totally be wrong as well. Uh, but anyway, rocking out at a cemetery, talk about disturbing your, someone's rest. Jesus. Mount Hope is the second oldest garden cemetery in the country and was created in 1834. Hannibal Hamlin, the U.S. vice president under Abraham Lincoln and a prominent Maine politician was laid to rest there so was gangster al brady comedian richard golden and actor ralph sipperly as well as many prominent members of congress ambassadors governors lumber magnets and civil war generals you know all those famous lumber magnets mindy I, <laughs> Don't don't say lumber magnet like you don't know what that is. Don't even get me started on how many of those I if I had a nickel <laughs> for every poster of a lumber <laughs> magnet I had on my bedroom wall as a young girl. <laughs> uh, people have spotted mysterious figures like shadows moving between the graves. Uh, some have even heard the voices of small children calling out through the darkness. So we have to stop at the cemetery. Absolutely. Uh, we also need to stop at the Charles Inn, which is located in downtown Bangor. 
The hotel is historically haunted, and the owners say they've witnessed strange activity firsthand. When Alan and Leanne Huey took over the inn three years ago, they say they didn't know it had an extensive haunted history and that it was a staple on the Banger Ghost Walk. All right, I'm getting a little suspect of all these hotel owners being like, I had no idea this 100-year-old creepy-as-fuck-looking building where all these people died was haunted? What? We Come on, people. We know you use the internet. We know everyone knows Google exists. Of course, these people Google places they're going to buy, right? Like, you know. <laughs> also, when you live in a town like famous for Stephen King <laughs> novels, you kind of just assume the whole town is haunted as fuck. For real. Um, but Alan says... Quote, we just knew it was an old rundown hotel, end quote. And the two entrepreneurs wanted to give that old hotel new life. And guess what, Mindy? <laughs> That's when they started experiencing things that could not be explained. I'm shocked. Uh, Shocker. Uh, Leanne says she's seen wine glasses fly across the room on their own. So we have uh, more drunk ghosts. Yeah. I'm assuming there was like a, a ghost bartender who cut off another ghost. And the ghost is like, what do you mean I'm cut off? Don't you tell me what's what. And then just like threw a wine glass at the ghost bartender's head. Sounds like a Saturday night here. <laughs> Shut up. Oh. I barely drink anymore. I know. Oh, um, <laughs> Uh, she has also heard strange voices. I heard this tiny little voice go... Nee, 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 nee. And I looked at my husband and I said, oh, the grandkids are out in the hall. And he goes, no, they're not here. And I said, do you hear that? And he turned off the TV and I heard the same thing again. This little voice next to me. Then I got completely cold. Alan says he has heard guests report that somebody would be knocking on their door and they'd open the door and nobody would be there. Amy Crossman, who stayed at the Charles Inn for three nights, said she experienced just that. Amy said, A couple times I hopped up because I heard somebody jiggling my door handle. So I hopped up and I looked out the people and I didn't see anything. So I was kind of freaked out. That happened maybe three times. After several strange incidents that couldn't be explained, the Hueys knew they had to do something. Leanne describes that feeling saying something's going on and how do we find out what it is and get control of it? So number one, it doesn't hurt our business. And number two, we don't have people thinking we're crazy because we're not crazy. Also, we're running out of wine glasses. <laughs> the couple reached out to the East Coast ghost trackers. Try and say that 10 times fast. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> While working with the trackers, the couple says they came to accept their paranormal guests and have even grown to appreciate them. Leanne says, now it's more inquisitive. Who's there? Why do I feel so cold when I'm on this floor? For us, it's fun. It's adventurous. It just kind of helps us to know that we're not alone. Mm. I mean, as long as they're, you know, friendly and peaceful. Ghosts, I guess, sure. Yeah, or they could be trying to gain their trust and then they're going to turn on them and be evil. <laughs> and then James Wan will make a successful movie about it. <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll stay there one day. Find out for ourselves. Maybe. All right. So, Mindy, we are going to make our way out west now. I know you're a 
big fan of this show, so let's go to Deadwood, South Dakota. Where every other word of this entire section will be cocksucker. (laughs) Think I'm joking? I am actually joking. That would be funny but obnoxious, and Sharon would probably be annoyed as fuck, and I'd end up as dinner for Mr. Wu's pigs. That was a shout-out to all you Deadwood fans. What up? Yeah, I do love that show. Sorry. Get excited. Deadwood, South Dakota. Let's do it. Uh, Deadwood is a city in the west part of South Dakota, located in the Black Hills National Forest. The gold rush of 1876 brought all kinds of people to Deadwood. That's what the show is actually about. Uh, It attracted pioneers and prospectors seeking their fortune along with lawless, unsavory types, bringing murder and mayhem to the small mining town. It is the only U.S. town to be named a National Historic Landmark and to this day is alive with stories of its dead residents haunting present-day hotels and saloons. There's no better time to visit Deadwood's Undead than at Halloween. That would be awesome. Uh, The city celebrates Dead Weird with a monster ball at the Franklin Hotel and hourly haunted tours at the historic Adams House and well at least this was pre-pandemic but oh my god that sounds so much fun Uh, so there's Mount Moriah Cemetery that's our first stop here in Deadwood Uh, you can pay your respects to the most famous or infamous of Deadwood's dead at Mount Moriah Cemetery including Wild Bill Hickok the celebrated gunslinger who was shot in the back of the head after drawing a pair of aces and a pair of black eights at saloon number 10. Trick shooter Calamity Jane is also buried there next to her buddy Wild Bill Hickok just as she requested on her deathbed. Uh, Deadwood's first sheriff Seth Bullock uh, became a businessman and hotelier. Uh, He rests at the top of a steep trail in Plot 99 because, of course, he's resting at the top of a steep trail. He was memorably portrayed in the HBO show, of course, by the hot as fuck Timothy Olyphant. Um, Have you ever seen a picture of the real Seth Bullock, Mindy? Uh, I did a long time ago, but I will say that while I think Timothy Oliphant is fantastic in Deadwood, I don't find him particularly attractive as Seth Bullock. I have friends who do, uh, which is funny because I think he's hot as hell. So Yeah, well, I didn't want to ruin your fantasy, but the real Seth Bullock's mustache looked like he took a toupee and glued it above his upper lip. <laughs> it's literally the longest, thickest stash I've ever seen. Everyone Google Seth Bullock mustache right now i'm sure he was walking around at that time with like a month's worth of soup stuck in there so if you do end up watching the show deadwood you'll be like wow timothy elephant did a good job i think because he (laughs) that's part of what i don't find attractive they do have a mustache on him no 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 i've seen pictures of timothy elephant playing him (laughs) and his mustache is not anywhere near i mean no Trust me. That's so funny. Do a Google search right now, Mindy. Look, look, there's like side by side comparisons of him and they completely left out the... Um, enormity? Enor- yes, <laughs> the enormity of his mustache. But I, I think they probably wanted his character to be a little bit sexy, which is why... Hollywood didn't have a, a budget enough for the, that <laughs> mustache. <laughs> 
Um, speaking of Seth Bullock and his really long mustache, uh, our next stop is the historic Bullock Hotel, named after the man himself. Uh, you might encounter Deadwood's first sheriff yourself at the historic Bullock Hotel. You, if you smell cigar smoke when no one is smoking a cigar, that might be because Bullock was known for his heavy cigar smoking, according to hotel employees. So basically, his mustache just smelled like old soup and cigar smoke. <laughs> Very sexy. His ghostly form also appears in photos that are on display, but he's not the only one knocking about in the hotel he built in 1895. Bullock took in many people during a cholera outbreak, and the small children who succumbed to the disease are said to still roam the building, moving shiny things and organizing change by denomination. Some say there was a hanging in room 211, and guests have seen a faint figure still hanging there. Deadwood is also home to the historic Adams House. W.E. Adams was the second owner of the Adams House, a home like Deadwood had never seen when it was built in 1892 with indoor plumbing, electricity, and a telephone. Hi, tech. Moving on up <laughs> to the 19th century. <laughs> After Adams died of a stroke in the house, it is said that his wife could still hear him walking around the second floor. She left the house and its contents untouched, so it sat empty for 50 years until it was turned into a bed and breakfast and later a museum. He was so lonely. Visitors and employees have seen a rocking chair rock on its own, encountered a shadowy man standing at an upstairs window, and heard voices and footsteps in rooms throughout the house. Spirits and all, the Adams House is a perfectly preserved window into 19th century Victorian life, from the music room with original sheet music to the medicine in the bathroom. Whoa. I love old houses that have been turned into museums where they just leave everything as it is so you can see how people lived back in you know 100 years ago 200 years ago whatever I I just think that's so fascinating like the fact that they still have the medicine that they used in the bathroom of this place like wow yeah and actually for a second I thought you were gonna say I love when people leave their old medicine in the bathroom She loves that, too. When I go into your medicine cabinet and, you know, put a couple in my pocket for later. From like the 1800s or whatever. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm sure that that hasn't expired. The medicine back then probably had a lot of stuff that uh, you can't find in today's medicine. I think all medicine back then was just like straight cocaine in pill form. (laughs) Pretty much. Cannabis, heroin, morphine. Here's a pill of morphine. Here's a pill of codeine. Here's a pill of cocaine. Well, and laudanum. Don't forget our friend laudanum. That 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 was a big one back in this during this time. The cure for what ails you, for all that what ails you. That's a a saying, right? Um, It is now. Finally, we have the historic Fairmont Hotel and Casino. When Ron Russo bought the Fairmont, a former brothel, in 1989 and began renovations, here we go again. Mm -hmm. uh, The ghost had other thoughts. When Amy Allen and Steve DiChiavi of the Dead Files visited the Deadwood Hotel, they experienced an abundance of paranormal activity on the third floor, especially from a spirit Amy called Grumpy Man. Ron would later learn that his name was actually Henry, 
and he was still angry that his sex worker girlfriend died of syphilis. There was also Maggie, who threw herself from a third floor window after learning that her boyfriend had left her. She still lingers there as well. And then there are all the incidences of photographed orbs and ghostly touches. All right, so when are we driving out to Deadwood? (laughs) I don't know that I want to go to Deadwood, honestly, just because there was like so much that happened out there and especially with the Native American and the white men <laughs> fought like fighting it's too much violence in that area I think it would literally not be comfortable. any square foot of our country probably had Native Americans no I know white the- men fighting on it so I mean basically you would have to leave the country to not be in an area like that but have you seen actual photographs of that area now it is so fucking beautiful yeah like, all the green forests around it and like oh it just looks so beautiful I had no idea when I think of Deadwood South Dakota I literally think of like a vast wasteland with like no trees and just kind of like desert and like you know typical wild west yeah I had no idea it was like so lush and green and like the mountains and everything around it. I, I want to go. It Ditto. looks like the cutest little town. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe. All right, Mindy. Well, you can stay at home and you can house at our cats while Spencer and I can. <laughs> and we get some EVPs. <laughs> All right. So let's go a little bit further west now onto California. Ooh. Del Norte County is a county at the far northwest corner of California along the Pacific Ocean adjacent to the Oregon border. The rural county is notable for its redwood forests, unique plants and flowers, dozens of species of coastal birds and fish, rocky primitive beaches and sea stacks, pristine rivers and historic lighthouses, as well as being the location of some of the forest scenes used in Return of the Jedi. Del Norte County has a rich and sometimes haunting history. There are stories that may send a chill down your spine while others may spike your paranormal curiosities. I actually do want to go to there just because it looks so beautiful. But I also very, very much want to visit Endor 100% want to go there because Star Wars. If I see a ghost or maybe two, win-win. Agree. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous looking and doesn't look like it's highly populated, which I like. Yeah. (laughs) Little little amount of people, the better these days. And also, yeah, Endor. I mean, it's but it just is so yeah, just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. So would we be like super nerds to put on Ewok costumes and go hiking? Oh, my God. I guarantee people have done that. I guarantee they have too. And that just shows how nerdy I am that that just popped into my mind. I'm going to totally Google that later because I want to see pictures. All right. What's our first stop in Del Norte County? Our first stop is uh, McNulty House. The Victorian-inspired McNulty House was built in 1897 where Lillian McNulty lived until her death in 1957. In her will, Lillian specified that the house should serve the community as a library or museum. Her wishes were honored for several decades, but eventually the house was sold as a private residence. In the years after the sale, several reports have surfaced about an apparition of a woman sometimes wandering the house or staring out of the window. 
a former resident of the home reported seeing a woman dressed in white Victorian clothing. The ghostly figure was walking through the dining room. The witness quickly ran after her, believing there was someone in the house. As the apparition passed into the kitchen, it disappeared into thin air. Both visitors and residents say they have experienced an evening of ghostly sounds and doors opening on their own, as well as disembodied strange voices. Others say they hear inexplicable whispering. I feel bad for Lillian McNulty because they didn't honor her wishes, and now she's probably pissed off that it's not a museum or a library anymore. That's my thought as well, yeah. Especially if she hates the new owners of that house. <laughs> she's like, oh my god, I'm stuck here with these people for how long? Uh, they remodeled the library, and now it's this thing they call a gaming room? I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> okay. From a beautiful Victorian, we're now going to go visit a lighthouse, a Battery Point Lighthouse. Battery Point Lighthouse sits off the coast of Crescent City, California, and has been withstanding the ocean's waves for 165 years and even survived a tsunami in 1964. It has been in operation since 1856 and maintains many centuries-old traditions, including resident lighthouse caretakers. Resident lighthouse caretakers, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. (laughs) So Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson have reported, (laughs) uh, but actual real-life caretakers that work there, have reported a rocking chair moving on its own, as well as the sound of boots trudging up the lighthouse stairway, as if a ghostly keeper was going on their rounds. Visitors to the lighthouse have actually reported being touched on their shoulders. By Robert Pattinson. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. Um, All right. Next, we are going back to land. From the shore, back to the land, to Patrick Creek Lodge. Just a short drive from Crescent City, tucked away in the Six Rivers National Forest, you'll find Patrick Creek Lodge and Historical Inn. Built almost a century ago, it has long been a place that welcomes travelers with its beautiful stone fireplace, a killer Sunday brunch, and a notable sign that reads, Eat, Booze, Snooze. One such visitor may have been Maud. Her ghastly tale begins on her wedding day. The story goes that her fiancé jilted her on the day of the wedding, and the distraught young woman hung herself in room 16. I feel like a lot of the ghosts in today's episode either hung themselves or were somehow jilted by lovers. And Well, that's how a lot of these kind of stories tend to go. Which is why most of them are probably urban legends yeah that's what i was just about yeah (laughs) (laughs) have no legitimacy whatsoever but they're still kind of fun to read they are totally yeah so ever since her possible hanging strange occurrences have taken place in that particular suite as well as the main dining room but maude is considered to be a friendly spirit and last but not least On our tour, we are going to the Redwood Groves of Del Norte County. Yes, please. 
I would love, I've never seen the redwoods. I would absolutely love to. The redwood groves are mysterious places. Ancient trees tower above you. The ethereal light lurks through the canopy. But is it a place to find something haunted? Maybe. So I came across a story about a female hiker who was enjoying a beautiful, quiet morning hiking in Stout Grove with her boyfriend not too long ago. They snapped a few prime photos and on their way out of the forest, an older couple stopped them. They asked if they noticed the girl sitting right in their photo spot. The hiker brushed it off and continued exploring. Later that evening, she happened to come across a chilling photo that she shared on her social media page. In her post, she said, I saw this girl at the far corner where I had stood. She looked young, red hair, and her face was blurry. The hiker ended up doing a bit of research and discovered a young, red-headed female hitchhiker had been murdered in 1994, and her body was left at the Stout Grove Trailhead. So, since we've been talking about urban legends, mm. I wanted to see if there was any sort of validity to this story. Ooh. So, I did some research, and indeed... There was a young woman named Camelia J. Randall, who was just 18 at the time. She was from Ashland, Oregon, and she was found murdered in that area. Randall was hitchhiking from Ashland, Oregon to Guerinville, California on October 26, 1994, when she was last seen in Crescent City. That evening, she called her aunt in Ashland and told her that she was going to be sleeping on the beach and not to worry if she didn't hear from her for a few days. Four days later, her body was discovered wrapped in her sleeping bag in the old growth redwood forest of Stout Grove outside Crescent City. Eventually, her killer was caught, but not until seven years later. Robert Allen Wigley was found guilty of first-degree murder nine years after the slaying of Camelia J. Randall. So this was in 2003. The jury found Wigley guilty of rape, sodomy, and infliction of torture, as well as murder, after only 22 minutes of deliberation. <gasps> oh, my His God. Yeah, so they must have had a ton of evidence on this guy. His DNA was matched to crime scene evidence in a cold hit that was run through the California Department of Justice databank. Camelia's mom said of her daughter, she was beautiful, innocent, and trusting. She was a free spirit, and in her heart, she didn't feel there were people like Wiggly out there. She wanted to meet people and enjoy life. So... If that story really is true about the um, the hikers who saw the young redheaded girl in their photograph, yeah, and that really is Camelia, yeah. I hope that she's at peace and that she's not stuck in that area. Um, I hope she's able to leave if she wants to, because if not, that's so sad. That is, oh my God, that is awful. Yeah. And of so. course she was like really sweet and trusting and didn't think people could be that cruel. And of course someone like that is who crosses the path of some maniac who absolutely can be that cruel. Oh, poor thing. Yeah, so unfortunately we this story is true as for all the rest of the stories we told i mean grain of salt there might be some truth some urban legends all you know kind of like intertwined but a lot of these places are they're just 
really, really old and you have to expect that there's some residual energy from the people that once lived in these places or, you know, from some of the tragic events that occurred in some of these places like Civil War and uh, the Underground Railroad. And I mean, my God, it's only, you know, it's no wonder (laughs) that people experience some supernatural phenomena when they visit these places. Absolutely. Yeah. I think a haunted ghost tour would be of America would be a great thing to do if and when we can leave our state or travel anywhere somewhat safely. (laughs) I think we're allowed to leave our states now. I just... I don't know what other states we can technically go to. And what all we could do because like everybody's a lot of places are closed down. But yeah, eventually put a pin in this for like a a little ways down the road and then maybe we can hit some of these places up. But I'm still dubious about Deadwood because I feel like that place would just be crazy, crazy energy. We'll see. I don't care. I need cat sitters so you can stay here. (laughs) (laughs) And also, you know, a lot of these places are local to people. So if you didn't yeah. know about the haunted history of these places, now you do. So go out, explore. If you go to any of these places, let us know. We would love to hear if you have any crazy experiences um, at these places. If you see any ghost or doors opening, closing on their own, knocking. Uh, Wine glasses flying. <laughs> <laughs> Drunk ghosts being like, <laughs> I love you, man. So it's just like a frat party, basically. You just can't see everyone who's at the party necessarily all the time. Oh, all right. Well, thank you all for listening to us. As always, you can write to us at whorestalkhorror at gmail.com with anything you want to share with us. Tell us your drunk ghost stories. <laughs> uh, you can share any other ghost stories that you have, true crime stories, UFO stories, whatever you want us to read on our show. Or like Sharon said earlier, if you do live in some of these locations and have experiences or haven't had experiences, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe not if you haven't. It's like, I went to the Redwoods. Trees are big. It's cool. (laughs) Bye. Hey, I'd be like, thanks for writing, dude. (laughs) Thanks for writing us to tell us about your mediocre trip to the Redwoods. (laughs) there were no Ewoks <laughs> that's all the email says the one star is, one star went to the Redwoods didn't see any fucking Ewoks oh yeah well if nothing else uh, please subscribe to us and rate and review us if you like our show it really really helps podcasts get more exposure when you do that uh, if you're able to You can also subscribe to our Patreon to see exclusive posts, get early access to episodes, and maybe receive some cool shit. Please, please, please be kind to each other and stay safe. And hopefully where you live, it is getting to be springtime slightly. We're finally, finally tiptoeing into spring. So hope that the snow is melting for all of you and be be good to each other. And as always, thanks for getting creepy with us. Sharon, you want a beer? Uh, Oh, my God.